0: Welcome to The Projections Podcast, a dialogue about film and psychoanalysis hosted by me, Sarah Catherine Cleaver. And me, Mary Wilde. Just like Steve Martin in Grand Canyon, we feel that all life's riddles are answered in movies, and our first series aims to introduce you to our podcast through a discussion of cinematic representations of mental illness.
1: For the next six episodes, we'll each pick a film and use them to explore the capacity of moving image to showcase the emotional and mental functioning of six different psychiatric diagnoses. Anxiety, depression, psychosis, narcissism, borderline personality disorder, and psychopathy. Film is a means to unlock the mysteries of the human mind. Subscribe and follow our cinematic adventures into the unconscious. What episode is this? This is, am I right in thinking episode five? Yes, you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, episode borderline. five of Projections Podcast, Borderline. Yeah, exciting. This is very exciting and it's this good learning process for me because I find Borderline personality sort mm-hmm. of very confusing. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to have it explained.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and this week we're going to be talking, as usual, about two films. Mm. Uh, the first is Single White Female. Yeah. 1992. We did not learn how to say the director's name. Yeah, but we think it's Barbette.
1: We think it's Barbara Schroeder. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then the second is Young Adults, 2011. Yeah. Jason Reitman. Reitman.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm really glad we went with these because initially we, uh, I think we, we had thought that we would go with young. Um, Single by Female and Fatal Attraction. Yes,
0: we went so far as even watching Fatal Attraction Yeah, again. yeah. Um, but and I actually think, yeah. Yeah. It it, it grated on us for obvious mm, reasons. Mm. But the main reason that we decided to do a different one is because we tend to look at films that are a little bit yeah. separate in time. Yeah. And these seemed very, very much two of the same thing. Yeah. So, yes. So we've got a very female-heavy episode. But at some point, I do want to talk to you about borderline personality disorder in men, Mm because I was very interested in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But to start off... Will you explain borderline personality disorder to us?
1: Well, I mean, it's such a funny one, really, because it's not something that um, was a preoccupation for Freud when he was alive and writing Mm -hmm. and and inventing psychoanalysis. This is is a much more modern diagnosis, and it's in the cluster of, of personality disorders, so in a way we're moving away from the traditional... Um, categories of anxiety and depression etc or even you know psychopathy um, for that matter but this is really in the kind of domain of um, personality disorders which usually are issues that um, have quite an early onset in terms of developmental stages Um, we start to see that It's more about a cluster of character traits Mm -hmm. that forms a personality, hence why it's a personality disorder. And so it's sort of almost sometimes grouped together with other disorders such as like histrionic personality disorder, oh, yeah, narcissistic. I remember that one. You don't
0: yeah. hear about histrionic so much anymore. No, not really. But I got diagnosed with it when I did an online personality oh. disorder test. <laughs> I'm sure I
1: would get diagnosed with well, that as well. Well, you have to get something. I think
0: it's like oh, it's a which personality disorder <laughs> test are you? So there's no option of not yeah. having a personality disorder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet you I would get that one yeah. as well. I
0: think that's probably like.
1: Yeah, I think that's there's a little bit of um, that's a, good a lot one. of creative types. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. the
0: best personality I disorder. Think
1: so. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, it's probably the most productive one yeah. in terms of like you know creative pursuits. But yeah, so borderline is actually um, really an interesting one because it's it's a lot to do with the defining features of the self. And it has—it's so much predicated on um, having really a, a sense of fragmentation of who you are, mm-hmm. and the, the, the subject that's sort of experiencing this will, um, more often than not, unconsciously feel like their sense of self is hollowed out, and that in that way they're just kind of um, almost looking at personal relationships. And, and interpersonal dynamics as opportunities to kind of uh, almost fill up mm-hmm. themselves with the other person. So it's almost about um, having such a lack of awareness of who you are, or a sense that you are a separate individual with defining characteristics, um, and that you can even define. You know, you you you're actually autonomously defining yourself. That is not felt. So there's a lot of issues with um, borderlines often in relationships uh, act in such a way that they fear abandonment, mm-hmm. not just because of the usual fears that we all have mm-hmm. to do with abandonment. But it's much more almost integral to their own identity because they fill themselves so much with the other person that if the other person disappeared, then who are they? You know, is that kind of thing, yeah. um, or just fears that um, they almost are an, not quite a whole entity,
0: like how I just described how I feel when I finish a freelance job. Uh, actually, yeah, well, who am I now?
1: But actually, that's so funny how huh? you just said that too. But that's but myself even working as a freelancer in a way, in a theoretical way, you could say that freelancers on the professional spectrum. kind of borderline because as professional people we naturally will define ourselves by the work that we're doing Mm -hmm. and it's on if it's on a permanent basis then there's no threat to the integrity of the identity of the professional but when you're in a state of like you know kind of functional state of uh, moving from from job to job and your tasks are always changing your line manager is changing your environment is changing Professionally speaking, how we define ourselves, uh, of course, it's perfectly natural to feel that sense of always re-questioning again. Now, where that becomes pathological is uh, like you and I will not be real borderlines because we're not, um, we're not stalking our old employer. Mm. Yeah? Yes. We're not uh, sort of longing to reconnect uh, we'll just move on mm-hmm. and we, you know we'll, we'll we'll take that kind of set you know m- sort of let's say a little bit of emotional setback like oh it's like a bit of a slump but then you reattach yourself the borderline feature often um, partners of borderline individuals will say that they feel the person is too clingy yeah they've they're overly invested emotionally there's attachment issues because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really sort of centering on the fact that the borderline is coming from that place of almost depending on the other to define them.
0: It's so interesting that you said that, you know, it's not something that Freud really talked about. No. Because it sounds like a really, really, it sounds like a pathology that is very, very much tied to. A modern way of living which is mm. so much about the individual yeah about having yeah. you know that kind of autonomy yeah and i mean it's something that we'll obviously talk about this but it's something that is tends to be directed at women a lot that, board, yeah. that you know that diagnosis yeah. of borderline it's yeah. associated with women yeah but and of course you know in freud's day women weren't really expected to be autonomous they were expected yeah. to entirely define themselves by their relationships or their parents or yeah. their the place their in the family motherhood yeah exactly yeah. So it's really yeah, it's interesting that that's it's maybe kind of modern illness. Oh yeah, to that's a such a good extent.
1: that's such a good observation, and I think you're quite right that it wouldn't ha- it's not something that would have naturally emerged in Freud's time because that really wasn't the way people were living at the mm. time. Women were at for for all intents and purposes, turn of the century Vienna, uh, they had roles in families mm-hmm. and they had those attachments, emotional and relational attachments already prescribed for them. So there was never any risk of the, the kind of, um, that entire model um, being in a state of a threat or fragmentation, etc. It's like you didn't have a choice. You, you already knew where your place was in a family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're quite right. Now, of course, with uh, the women's liberation movement um, where, you know, women are rightfully so uh, campaigning for equality in the workplace and be able to work, you know, just as men do. Um, but probably more more so than that, I think that in a way Borderline is very uh, much a symptom of a transitional phase mm-hmm. um, in, in, in our history in terms of, I wouldn't really blame... Uh, sort of liberal values of individualism. It's more... But as you say, though, you are quite right, it's it's kind of like an adjustment issue. It is an
0: adjustment issue. Because we're people not are, part of a community No, the we're not. You were.
1: No, we have to redefine. Mm-hmm. We have to redefine um, relationships on our terms. And it's an interesting thing when you're being raised by members of generations that were still did have those ties and those... Uh, ready-made communities through families Mm. and um, they knew their place they knew how what was expected of them and it took the dilemma of how they you know or the or the you know the distress or dilemma of wondering where where you know where do I belong Who's my who's my network? Where who who supports me? Mm-hmm. Th- those preoccupations didn't exist. People already had the answers for them. They were prescribed. Now whether they were happy or not, that's a different question. Yeah. But you're right. It's you're quite right. I think the borderline issue is not surprisingly connected to that adjustment period where people suddenly have different options available to them, and you know they're rightfully. Uh, Chasing dreams and building on skills and prof- participating more in um, professional environments, etc., being creative. But when those earlier support systems are not in place, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it will create conditions where how we identify ourselves potentially can become pathological. Mm-hmm. Um, Funnily enough, because you raised the issue of family and like traditional customs and stuff, um, I'm an insomniac so sometimes when I can't sleep I just watch really bad movies to try and send myself to sleep. Um, And sometimes it doesn't work because it just infuriates me and I just stay awake longer so it backfires. But the other night I was on Netflix and I was surfing and I thought, Okay, this will do the trick. I'll watch My uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding too. This will definitely work. Why
0: do they have so many sequels? I know. <laughs> not the original films.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's such a good, it's so frustrating. That's a good question. But anyway,
0: it's a sidetrack. <laughs> Continue.
1: <laughs> but in this film, I mean, it's a modern film, but the, the main character, even more so than the original film, is feels very responsible for the well-being of, extended family, so like not just her parents, but aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, the works. And she has to be there for everyone, she has to fix problems for not just in her immediate family of her husband and her daughter, but if anyone needs her at any time, she has to be at their beck and call. And that's just how their family unit functions, and they say that it's this kind of old fashioned Greek tradition of that's how you re- respond to your family. but. As I, as I was watching it, from the perspective of someone who uh, doesn't have that kind of family unit, like I live with my husband, we're both expats from other Commonwealth countries, mm-hmm. we're over here, we don't have any family members here. So we're pretty, in a way, we're pretty isolated compared to the family in that film. And from that my perspective, I was watching this and I thought, these people are in a cult. Like, but that would seem so extreme to me that like a really close-knit family that is always there for each other and always depends on each other and asks each other for advice all the time and their standards they have to follow. It, from my perspective of being kind of a loner and just doing whatever I want whenever I want, it struck me that I had that response, like, oh my god, they're they're like an occult. That, that 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 family, the traditional family is like it behaves like a cult, like groupthink. And I realized that okay, I was being I was being dramatic.
0: Being histrionic.
1: I was being histrionic again.
0: <laughs> Swooning.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thought. Okay, obviously they're not. It's just a nice
0: family. Like, yeah, it's, it's but that—that kinda... that is how alien it is. To, That's how alien it is. To yeah, exactly. Be so uh, responsible for so many others. Yeah, these days. so responsible for others. But yeah. In a in a in another side note, yeah. someone tried to get me to join a cult the other day. Oh my god! Yeah.
1: Really? Yes. Not
0: Scientology? Not Scientology. Okay. It, was, it was like, a, It was. she was like, there's this There's this therapy thing that okay. my friends have gone to, and it's a day course.
1: Right. And it, the oh. website is
0: incredibly vague, and it costs <laughs> £500 pounds for this day course. <laughs> and she was telling me that, you know, and I was, like, I was like, this is a pyramid scheme. You go to this thing, right. and then you go out and sell it to other people. And she was like, no one's selling it. I was like, your friends have sold it to you, and you are sitting here selling it to yeah. me right now. It's a Ponzi scheme, totally. Yeah, that's what it is, a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, I just really, I was like, because once someone tried to get me to join a cult when I worked in Selfridges, and I almost went out of politeness, but this time I was like, no. (laughs) So I have a hundred percent success rate of staying out of cults. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Oh, bless. But yeah, you're quite right. Like, it was just this kind of perception Mm -hmm. of, because it was so alien. It was odd. I had to catch myself doing it, because I, I was interpreting their reliance on each other as neediness and mm. they were too clingy and they're all a bunch of borderlines together yeah but actually not really I mean yeah it's, yeah it's, it's funny isn't it
0: yeah the amount of, yeah the the further you get away from being the more autonomous you get the more the weirder the, rel- the reliance looks yeah. to you yeah so yeah
1: exactly yeah. exactly and so I realized that I probably swung way the other way. I'm like, whatever is the opposite of borderline avoidant personality yeah. disorder.
0: Yes, that's what Maybe. you guys
1: yeah. Maybe I'm an avoidant. I definitely think I'm an avoidant because I love
0: blocking people on we social media. We've got so many personality oh disorders God. today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
0: I love it. Um, we have no personality disorder. We should do a drinking game every we time should. we get. Every time we get a personality <laughs> disorder. Um, uh, everyone stop you know just uh, by the way I'm not condoning looking up your personality disorder <laughs> no. online I was like 18 it's not it, they're not real they're, they're not just, real they take you straight to a website that sells you medication <laughs> it's not a real thing it's not a real thing no.
1: No. It's more interesting theoretically
0: theoretically and in cinema and
1: in cinema that's what we're bring promoting it back yeah to yeah always yeah the, that's the safest bet you have mm-hmm. is looking at these things in the, through the yeah. lens of Use cinema
0: psychoanalysis only for art yeah like, really. caution yeah. caution
1: yeah exactly um. i totally agree <laughs> um,
0: so uh, as always we're going to spoil the all yeah. these movies for you so please go away and watch them um, single white female yeah
1: single white female what a film <gasps> yeah i mean first of all the aesthetic i love that 90s fashion mm-hmm. it's 92 and i feel like 92 is when probably the apex of 90, 90s fashion for me cuz okay. it was like the supermodel uh sort of really the height of that fashion conscious supermodel stuff um and i and i just love i love the color scheme of the film Kind of yellow, red, orange, brown. Um and then it, of course it that takes a twi- you know uh, a different turn uh when more of the kind of uh, horror stuff develops a bit more and gets mm. a little bit more blue tinged.
0: There's a lot of kind of that uh, like her and her little peachy nightgown right. well that she wears I know. in her sort of most vulnerable moments. It's really yeah. Kind of, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is nice as fast. It's a nice movie. looking film.
1: Yeah. Um, I love the apartment. You know, like just where they are. It's amazing. Oh, it
0: gave me such. I it gave me such pain looking at their apartment I and know. just thinking about just wishing. And there was so much in the first fifteen minutes of this one There's so much about um, not wanting to live alone. Not wanting oh, yeah. to live alone. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking. I all I want is to live alone. You bitches. Yeah. <laughs> in your huge hexagonal apartment.
1: Rent controlled apartment.
0: apartment. That you could live in by yourself because you have no problem paying the rent, but you want some because you want to be alone because how pathetic is That's it to be alone?
1: Thing. I know. It's yeah,
0: it was very frustrating. But it obviously was. contributed to very much to the theme of the film. Exact right,
1: exactly, exactly. And the fact that, you know, it is interesting because uh, the character of the uh, the, the Bridget Fonda character, she uh, seems to have this very glamorous life, and she 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 falls out with her boyfriend because mm-hmm. he gets caught cheating, and um, and so when she makes that decision to, to live alone after they break up, uh, she you know it, it's a funny kind of thing because it foreshadows that uh, maybe not in a pathological way but maybe in, in, a, in a slightly lower scale way her um, desire to obviously, as you say, not live alone. Yeah. She, so that's kind of interesting. She kind of feels unsettled mm-hmm. with her own company. because I can't relate to that at no, all. No, me neither, I but it is alone. an
0: interesting... Because it's a film, you know, because it is from 1992, it's a film that's yeah. very problematic in its attitude towards, oh, yeah. the mental, towards mental illness. Totally. But the way that the two characters are framed, we have, what is she called, Ali? Yeah, and, and Hedy. Hedy, like Hedy Lamar.
1: And like Hedy Lamar, yeah. And,
0: um, the, you know... Ali, as we are just discussing it, she has a lot of... There's a lot of character flaws yeah. there. There's a lot of underdevelopment. There's a lot yeah. of neurosis. Yeah. And it's not never addressed in no. the face of this other character's much more pronounced uh, problems. But basically, there's... I think there is a sort of sense where... She, I don't know, she has a lot to learn. Yeah. And she's there is naive. also another sense where Hedy is saying quite reasonable things yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to <laughs> finish out right. doing a recap because I interrupted you. No, no,
1: that's such a good point. That's mm-hmm. so true because it's sort of set up for us to think that Ali has got it all and mm-hmm. she's so sophisticated and glamorous. Um, but actually, when you really start to look at, her lifestyle and the choices she's making. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a little. She is a little bit naive.
0: Yeah, and when you know, Hedy comes to took her to look around the apartment while Ali is crying on the floor. Mm. And um, <laughs> she says, "I, you know, I. If you, do you think you guys going to get back together? Exactly. Because I don't want to be, you know, left in the lurch in a couple of months." Very reasonable. Yeah. Very reasonable. Very reasonable question. Very reasonable fear. Yeah. It's not it's not weird to mm. mourn your friends getting back into bad yeah. relationships yeah and exactly it's something that's something that's very much changed between now and then yeah yeah totally yeah. and also like the fact that um, it's sort of set up for us
1: to think that there's something a little bit off about Hetty and and sure enough we do see that over time it's, it's interesting how they their friendship is predicated on uh, imitation mm-hmm and so, uh, Hetty, being new to New York, new York City, she admires um, Ali's style. They go shopping together. She takes fashion advice from her to the point that they even begin to wear, you know, buy the same clothes. Probably unbeknownst to Ali, though, mm. she kind of discovers that oh my God, Hetty's literally copying my wardrobe to the, every last item. Um, so then we start, you know, there's that growing tension that maybe this is an unhealthy attachment um they they end up in each other's rooms you know borrowing each other's like and i find that all very interesting Mm. you know like bonding over um in a way stepping into the other person's uh jewelry perfume clothes and it's
0: mutual at first it's It's, mutual there's a lot of borrowing back and forth
1: yeah yeah
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of it being in each other's faces yeah yeah so it's not set up as a straight straightforward stalker situation no no um, no, not at all. Yeah. And they, they,
1: they, they seem to take pleasure from that. And it's, it's, it seems to be a bridge where they connect mm-hmm. um, to kind of experience each other's realities through these objects, these kind of grooming objects or fashion objects, um, and giving each other advice and, and being in each other's rooms and stuff. It's, it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally relate to that. And I think that's a nice thing to explore on film, actually, how these identities merge and this is something that you've t- touched on in your own work.
0: I have. I just made an essay film about it. It's yeah. on Vimeo. It's called My Friend's Clothes. Check it out. It's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. That was, it's so... that was really nicely worked in there. Thank <laughs> you. No, no.
1: It really needs to uh, be engaged with because it is a really interesting piece from you. And it, it touches on this thing, how friends borrow things from each other and how um, we there's that kind of human longing to perceive rea- the other's reality. Through the other's belongings, mm. and that's a really that's a really fascinating thing to be to see on film. So th- that all kind of starts to build up, and sure enough, just as Hetty predicted, Ali gets back together with her boyfriend, and now they're going to be married. They're mm-hmm. engaged, and so of course um, there's the pressure for Hetty to, I guess, move out, and things start to take a turn for the worst at that precise moment of crisis when she's made to feel like a third wheel, like okay. she's an outsider. And in a way, this is a classic representation of the experiential reality of borderline because the person forming the attachment um, has a very limited sense of their own self. And in, in Hetty's case, that is true because we, we hear her say, I don't have much of the sense, I wouldn't know what to choose at, at you know in a shop for myself. She, she she often says things like, um, she I don't know what's going on. I hope yeah, it doesn't we're really
0: act. sorry for the noise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's so many moments where we hear Hetty saying things like, uh, you know, she's asked a question about herself and she doesn't know. Mm. She doesn't know what her tastes are or her dislikes. Um, she's kind of a blank slate. Yeah, she is. You know and she's she's going out and looking for people that she admires that she can kind of uh, dive into and fill herself up with their characteristics it's about it's a self-identification of the ego um through these attachments but in a very unhealthy way because of course this happens in healthy ways all the time you know uh we, we admire people in the public domain uh, you know, um, public figures, artists, whoever, and of course, we might imitate to certain extents, um, you know what they're about. But where it becomes pathological is those desperate measures that are taken by borderlines that intrude on the boundaries of those other people. and we it's, it's 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 a reaction out of fear because if they if we lose them, we lose ourselves, mm-hmm. so we, you know, we react desperately, and this is this this is where it gets debilitating. Yes, yeah? and this is
0: where the film takes time to kind of horror movie. Yeah. villainy, because she kills the dog. She, oh, I was just gonna say the dog. Oh my god, it's so sad. Just like in Fatal Attraction. Yeah. she kills an innocent creature, so she must be evil and crazy. Which the film says many many times are the same thing. Yeah, you're bad. You're you're crazy. It equates you're bad. The two things. They're the same thing. In this film, from this point on. And um, I always felt like that was a really sad moment, obviously because the dog is dead, but also because she really liked that dog. Yeah,
1: she did like the dog.
0: And that's a really interesting sort of part of Borderline, is that people can tend to turn against the things they love or can try to ruin things they love or to be yeah, self-sabotage yes. well
1: it's self-harming yeah exactly it's because, self-harming you know,
0: because so much of that is you you know and the puppy is a little stand-in for her you yeah. know? it's you know, it's a constant reminder that she's there and she's there to cheer Ali up and she's there to be Ali's friend Yeah. so the puppy is that, just was just little, yeah, that was her role yeah the puppy is just a little accessory or a little extension which is quite an interesting, it is interesting. visual representation yeah. of that idea of you know of parts of of other people being parts of yourself.
1: Yeah, other people being parts of yourself and how this puppy, as you say, in relation to Ali, is a companion. Mm -hmm. But it's also like a vulnerable creature and uh, like a delicate creature. And in many ways, this is precisely the thing about borderlines. They are very insecure. They're very, very vulnerable. And so in a way, the puppy makes sense as a visual symbol in single white female because it's about companionship and in a sense immaturity and vulnerability but the pet that gets boiled in fatal attraction the bunny Mm
0: -hmm.
1: is about sex because if you think of you know it's like a symbol it's a sex symbol of
0: course it is yeah fucking like bunnies really good oh mary (laughs) that was was delightful And there is a good sex scene in this film. Yeah, there because is a I, actually, there's a lot of sex in yeah. this film. There's, there's, and that's the interesting thing about her character because there is. It's obvious that actually she does have an identity. She yeah. has a very, very strong identity. Yeah, and it is an identity of experimental sex because you know she has. There's that masturbation scene, which yeah. is is. I think it's supposed to imply that Hedy is this creepy, creepy woman, mm. and actually. It implies an incredible invasion of privacy, yeah, on Alias' part, yeah, um, yeah. And then there is another bit where she follows her to a sex club. Oh yeah, I love sex clubs in nineties movies. Yeah. Like I love like there's like people men like, in cages, men you know, in yeah. cages, like reaching out, her, like <laughs> stroking her hair, and she's like, oh, <laughs>
1: like, so
0: funny, you know. But she's there. She's yeah. you know she's there talking to some guy who is like a stand-in for. For Ali's boyfriend, because by this time she's, you know, she's wearing the same clothes. She's got the yeah. same haircut. Hairdo, yeah, oh, that haircut moment. Oh my god! In that special the reveal, already in two-level salon. Yeah. Where you know where like, for some reason they're getting their haircuts together on different levels of this of this hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> she descends.
1: She descends. Oh my god! That moment was so. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty iconic moment. It is.
0: It's a fantastic moment. Yeah um <laughs> but and they look yeah. like they it's so fashiony that film they look like Helmut newton yeah. pictures or they do don't like they also fun fact i think in the film worlds in the in the inside of the film ali designs the prototype software that <gasps> share from clueless uses oh in her rotating God. wardrobe did you notice that <laughs> that's, that's what so she true. designs I, I actually don't know so when Clueless cool. was made, so I'm not sure if I'm right, but I feel like oh, Clueless is later God, in the 90s. Oh that is so true. Yeah. So it's fine. She found fame as the designer of that special wow. rotating wardrobe software.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. But that is so true. And in a way, you know, that even that whole app, like that whole application about uh, shifting, you know.
0: Trying things on. Trying things on. Yeah.
1: It, it, it sort of ties into, you know, that borderline... Um, I guess, tendency mm. to kind of try on identities through their relationships. And when they feel something really fits, you know, it's hell or high water. They will defend, try and protect and, and, and maintain the integrity of that outfit mm-hmm. because it's the one that fits them.
0: And it's true, that word integrity is really important because, yeah. you know, it's, it's an immaturity, but... She's trying to. She is trying to defend the integrity of their friendship, and their yeah. friendship is only pure yeah. when it's just the two of them. Exactly. And it's lovely when it's just the two of it them. It is, actually. It's really only when that guy comes back that things take a turn for the worse. Yeah. Um, and that's what's interesting yeah. about this
1: movie, because that guy is a creep. Yeah, he is a creep. And there's no justification for why he's back. Like, there's no, objectively speaking, watching it, you, don't, you never think, oh, yeah, good job, Ali, actually, you know, for taking him back, because you know he's a creep.
0: Yeah. And the only reason why he's back is because of the this, this structure of society. Yeah. He, she can't live alone. She can't be alone I know, forever. exactly. That would be right. terrible. That would be uh, that would be the horror movie. Yeah. Um. And also, this is another fashion and death film. Mm, I just realised. That's so true. Which is a teaser for our next series.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe
0: we'll bring it back. Yeah. Maybe we should. Yeah. Um. And can we skip ahead to the death scene? Yeah. Although <laughs> oh, there, I mean, there are a couple, but there are a couple. Yeah. But the it's it's pure fashion and death scene. Because she goes mm. to the, she goes and at this point. She looks, dresses, mm. smells mm. like mm. Ali. She goes to the boyfriend's apartment yeah. and gives him a blowjob, which is the is a good choice for a borderline personality yeah. disorder sufferer. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, I do think that it, I don't know what it is. It's that, drinking
1: the person in exactly.
0: Ew, it's so disgusting. <laughs> um, uh, but it's true. It's really it's the it's a really apt choice. It is a very and apt and it has choice. to be a blowjob because you know, he can't see her face until he's She like, could be she yeah. could be Ali. Yeah, she could be it's Ali. It's like that
1: blurring of the identities, mm-hmm. that space between the you know, the overlap between the two of
0: them. But it doesn't have to be a blowjob. It could be like a reverse cowgirl. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. It doesn't have to be a blowjob, but it is a blowjob because of just so that we could do this podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, And and then he discovers her, and they fight, and she tries to blackmail him into leaving Ali, and he resists her, and she stabs him in the eye with a stiletto heel. (laughs) Oh my god, and I didn't see it coming. I really didn't didn't think that's what it would be, you know? It's, oh, it's amazing. And I just wonder, would that work? Did you really kill someone with the heel of your stiletto? Because it was that one, it was the one it that had... they bought together as well. Oh, it was the one that they bought together. I didn't, I didn't notice that. Yeah. You know, so it's a kind of interesting, like, almost communicating
1: the un- unconscious wishes of Ali mm-hmm. that she's not able to consciously carry out. It's
0: true. She wasn't able to stab him in the eye with a stiletto when he slept with his ex-wife. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: it's nice. You know, she, th- th- th-
1: this is the kind of... Thing about the borderline, I guess, character in a film, that they're kind of they then become a kind of interesting vehicle because they absorb the other's characteristics so well Um, and so successfully, they become a very useful uh, vehicle for carrying out these unconscious wishes. Mm -hmm. But but also, I mean, generally speaking, um, every person who moves to New York City from another town, from a small town, uh, every person who goes there. Um, trying their luck uh, is almost in that borderline state, at least for a while, because they're trying to find themselves. Mm. We have these expressions, you know, for young people out journeying in the world, having these adventures that they're trying to find themselves. This is actually, um, it, it pertains to the borderline um, state because it, it presupposes that the young person is entering into that situation with question marks about who they are. Their sense of self is not definite. It's changing, it's flexible. And that only through these experiences, meeting other people, observing, integrating, et cetera, et cetera, that their identity starts to form. They're always borrowing from these new places. And so um, it could just be a story about a young person going to The jungle of New York, Mm. finding themselves, you know, trying things on, Um, but also kind of in a way their past returning as well, because it turns out that Hetty is really Ellen Bosch Mm. in this big reveal with the kind of um, her her mail, her letters, and that she had said initially that uh, she was meant to be a twin, but the twin was still born, but it turns out that that was a lie. And she did... Am I right in thinking that? That she, had a, she did have a twin she and they did... the twin
0: and the twin drowned.
1: The twin drowned.
0: And I think maybe... And it's revealed at the end that she always blamed herself. Right. She always felt that she was responsible. She felt... Yeah, she took yeah. on that
1: blame. Yeah, exactly. She, she internalized the guilt of her sister's death. So in a way... I mean, that's fascinating to have the twin motif mm-hmm. for borderline. And I don't even know if they were deliberately trying to... Have a border, you know. I, I, I'm not convinced that they were technically consulting with someone about borderline, and that they I were think
0: almost certainly not. And the case probably that's not. Total attraction as well. I know, you know just it just got pegged been, like, later yeah, on as a borderline because it was so textbook. Example. Yeah, yeah.
1: But that fascinates me that she it comes in with that backstory mm-hmm. that she was one half of two, and half of her, you know, sort of um, disappeared so she there is that chasm there is that emptiness and she's trying to fill it i mean this is a really good you know if we if we can think theoretical or visual symbol for that reality of what it feels like when your self is so eroded eroded that you're looking at other people for opportunities to fill yourself up again. Mm-hmm. So it's kind. Of, I like that. I like that little, little neat trick.
0: Yeah, it is a good trick. This is a well-crafted film. It's a well-crafted it's film. It's not a perfect film. No, but it's, a it's really very flawed. Well, yeah, it's very flawed, but it's really, it's actually really well put together. It is. Too. It is. Yeah. It's worth engaging with. It is because I always thought of it as a really trashy film. It's yeah. a really bad film, but it's actually yeah. I think it's there's some good. value to it. There's yeah. a lot of value to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we move to the yeah. adult?
1: it's a very different type of It's film. Very different, yeah. but there are
0: some huge parallels. Yeah, it's a much more um, it's it's a much more sympathetic film when it comes to looking at mental illness. I agree. Um, it's it's funnier. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but there are a lot of similarities between those two characters between Hedy and between what is her name? Oh God, um, Mavis. She has a weird name, Mavis. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, maybe and she's scary. Played by
1: Charlize Theron. She's meant to be thirty-seven years old.
0: Thirty-seven. Yeah. Wow, she looks so young.
1: Yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah. She looks amazing, and she's so she's
0: yeah. So set us up with the. So yes, there is there. She is a she's a very different kind of character. She doesn't mm-hmm. seem at first to have quite the same. She doesn't have the same meek attitude. No. at all. But she, there are a lot of similarities. She has a life that is far from perfect. Yeah. She has... Um, she's an alcoholic. She's an alcoholic. She uh, has a pet that, that is merely an extension of her in some way <laughs> or so. You know, some kind of accessory. Yeah. That she doesn't really like. Um, <laughs> and she causes, you know, uncomfortable scenes and says really weird stuff. So basically, she we kind of happen upon her in her... Very, very messy apartment in Minneapolis. Yeah. And she's passed out uh, with a hangover, as she is every single morning seeing yeah. that we see her. And um, she is the, a ghostwriter of young adult books, that's okay. the title. Young adult. And I love her books yes. so much. And we're we are supposed to believe that the series is failing, and this is the last one she's going to write. But she writes it throughout the film, and it's brilliant. Yeah, it is. It's so, so good. Um, and she gets an email from her high school boyfriend yeah. announcing the birth of his baby. Yeah, and she, says, she sees a picture. His picture something. of yeah. his baby. And yeah. she uh, prints it out and <laughs> looks at it all day. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, she goes goes back home to the little kind of Hick town that she's from. Her words, I know, you know, no, I no, know that's yeah. very offensive thing to say. I'm sorry, Americans. Um, <laughs> and uh, with a plan to rescue her high school boyfriend Buddy from this life of sort of mediocrity yeah. that she believes that he's in. Yeah. Um, and she spends the entire film behaving very inappropriately, <laughs> kind of brilliantly. <laughs> um, and it's also very similar in that these are two films about ways you know there is there as i said there is a thing about borderline being a female disease it's yeah, not no. you know but um there is these are two women who are doing things that, that are not socially acceptable for women to yeah. do Yeah exactly in single white female she's too clingy and here she's too she transgresses boundaries she tra- yeah she's too abrasive she's yeah. too critical she's she can be a bit crass sometimes so crass yeah and she doesn't she's not empathetic no and that's a real sin for a woman in right you know in in this kind of society yeah she's not you know she's not motherly she's no. not she's not nice mm. she's she's not healthy so, yeah, there are a lot of ways in which the two characters are similar, but this is a very, very updated version yeah, of this character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she does a lot of the same things in mm-hmm. terms of um, putting on faces. Oh, there are such <gasps> great makeup scenes. There's such great makeup scenes. And just getting dress scenes. Yeah, in this film. Um, those
1: transformation montages are yeah. so good.
0: And I really yeah. like the hair pulling. It's yeah, very very nice she you know pulls out her hair and she has to wear like a little extension wig yeah. in the back of it and it's like this literal hole yeah that you know it's just stuff that you know, yeah. she has to keep covering up and putting yeah. you know having because she has to literally put more hair on yeah she's got this gaping hole in the back right. of her head exactly which makes me want to fall off my chair yeah it's, it's one of my squeamish things. it's
1: quite yeah i got squeamish at seeing mm. that as well but that is a, a really good example of Gaps. Mm-hmm. Gaps on the self. Yes,
0: gaps. That's a
1: Baldness, you know, like that little bit of patch that where something is non-existent. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And there is a lot about non-existence in yeah. this film. Yeah, you know, There's this non-existent novel that Harry is yeah. calling her about, and, you know, can't surface. And there's um, an interesting bit where she see, meets, her, meets Buddy's wife, yeah. and she's telling her about a chart in her in her house because she works with children with autism yeah she says you know we've got to show them happy and angry and scared and she says what about neutral oh yeah yeah they don't understand what she means yeah she basically feels empty all the time yeah she is amazing and she is symbolically very amazing and this is not fair to her because Mm. you know she's a person and this is her history but am I right in thinking that her her mother killed her father yeah
1: in South Africa. In,
0: in self-defense. And so there is something about Charlie's Theron as a symbol yeah. that is dangerous to... She comes from a place where men were aggressive yeah. and paid the price for it. So yeah. she really symbolizes a very transgressive oh, yeah. yeah, type. I think so. And obviously that's, you know, that's very unfair to her. I'm sure it's something she would di- dearly like to escape. And But, you know. yeah,
1: but at the same time, even though obviously she comes from that traumatic background, it makes sense, given that context, that she would be attracted to mm-hmm. roles of women like this. Yeah. Who are kind of on, you know, very, um, they've had to be very brave or they've had to be very... Uh, like in a way, desperately responding to something. Um, obviously, in the case of Monster, she's portraying a murderer, and in this in this film, uh, she, I think she's coming from, albeit not as obviously serious as a, as a murderer. She's coming from a place of uh, desperation because she's looking at her hometown and she's looking at the people in that town and the lives they are leading and how much structure they have actually and how it's there the, with that comes like a certain level of security and they just know their place mm-hmm. and i don't know it's interesting she has a very nuanced portrayal of what it must feel like to enter a space like that and you're kind of stunted you know?
0: Mm.
1: And I don't mean that in a negative way, necessarily. It's just, you know, value judgments aside, she hasn't caught up with their prescribed uh, schedule of development. Mm. She, you know, as the, as, the, as the title says, and even just the artwork of the film, you know, the poster and the way she's dressed, you know, like the things that she wears, the way she does her hair, she's kind of like She's kind of acting like she's in her early 20s. Yeah. Or... And there
0: is like, the, you know, there is, the film is an exploration of that judgment.
1: No, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the judgment yeah. on
0: that kind of lifestyle of right. being... Right, exactly. ...young yeah. and it being into your appearance and your career at a time when you're supposed to be settling down being and looking after others. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's so, you know, and it's, again, it makes this like just like single white female discussion about what women, what's okay for women to have and do. And what's expected of them. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, there's there's so many ways in which... I actually think this is kind of a film about a woman who's found some very good coping mechanisms. Yeah. And I think that novel is one of them. Yeah. Because this novel is a novel about... I'm trying to think of the name of (laughs) the character in her book, but I can't find it. Oh, yeah. No, it's not in the Wikipedia, and that's really annoying because it's so good. I can't remember it, actually. But anyway, so the character in her book is... There's just all these brilliant little snippets where she still pauses to write the book. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, the character in her book is un- just, just so popular and so successful mm. and so self-confident. Mm-hmm. And these are things that she's not at all. Mm. But they do appear to be some kind of sort of reprogramming self-hypnosis yeah. that does help her kind of get through her day. Yeah. That, you know, that that there's a really good bit where she's writing. It's not her fault she was voted prom queen yeah. <laughs> of a neighbouring high school. And it's all stuff like that. And it's just, it's brilliant writing. It's really funny. It's really yeah. witty. But it's also kind of, I think that, that she ha- is actually, is very much trying to create her own identity.
1: Right, right. Yeah, quite right.
0: You know, and there is a film about someone who, who goes back to where they came from to try and find the person that used to fill the void in their life exactly and it's horribly unsuccessful you know he is happy with his wife and his baby and he does feel kind of sorry for her yeah and you know but on the other hand she's right this is a town where no one's really doing anything that interesting no no one has any particular goals or ambitions aside from you know very Domestic ones, which no. is fine. They're just meeting milestones that have been mapped out for them. Exactly. Yeah. And they're very happy doing it. Yeah. And that's really nice. But there is a sense in which she's hmm. she's kind of the victor of this film. Yeah. And it ends with this horribly humiliating experience oh, for her, gosh. where she assumes that you know he <laughs> wants her back, and she goes to his child's <laughs> christening and tries that to kiss him an and he awkward, rejects her. Oh so awkward. And she causes a scene. She causes a scene. And and it's heartbreaking and it's very embarrassing. And she ends up going home sleeping with a like a another childhood friend. And that's really cr- cringy yeah. and awkward and horrible. And but I really like that by the end of the film she hasn't really learned anything. No. She just goes right back Yeah. To her life. Yeah. So you know, without really growing or changing. Yeah. But in a way, that's quite... I think that's a quite impressive end for her. It is. Because she does... I do think she does have aspects of her own identity. I mean, she spends the entire film trying on others. Yeah. You know, there are these great bits where she covers herself in foundation and powder. And, you know, to to be... She wants to be sort of a successful... She wants to be kind of successful and a little bit sexy. She wants to be Mm. a mother type when she Mm. goes to the christening. So she puts her hair in, like, that French twist. She wants to be buddy's girlfriend again she digs his old That's high hard. school jumper out and puts it on
1: yeah
0: you know there's all these amazing ways in which she tries on other identities but in the end she just goes back to her own she
1: just yeah she she does go back to her own and it's like the, I feel like the way that the film ends maybe suggests that she's bound to repeat the cycle again yeah just because it's 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 like a Möbius strip like the, it ends where it began. Mm. And there's that twist in the middle. It kind of suggests that she's bound to repeat that pattern, and that in a way, this is the this is precisely the uh, the theme of the borderline, that uh, you know, in between you know, in between those uh, trying on of different people, um, there are those lulls. And her lifestyle, like even just her apartment, like where it is, it's in this high rise. Mm. And um, it's just one um, among so many other little cells inside this building. And it's a, little bit, it's a bit of a nondescript, like the view is a bit nondescript, yeah. you know, like it's a very odd um, sort of building. And, and the fact that inside her apartment, it's very disheveled. It makes me, it just creates this kind of interesting little ecosystem, Mm. psychological ecosystem of the borderline, you know, where nothing really is in its right place. And everything is kind of, you're just flowing through this space, this this nondescript space um, until another opportunity triggers you to go back and find and search and cling to, you know? Um, because I, I I was interested in, in the fact that what seemed to be motivating her to go back was the picture of the baby, mm. because that made me think of so much. I mean, it's, at first I thought it was like she wanted to have a baby or something, she was maternal, but it quickly she became really, aware really that isn't. was not it. Yeah. That was not it at all. So then I thought, in, in the context of our discussion for, for Borderline, I thought, no, actually, maybe what it is, is that the baby becomes a convenient uh, mirroring object for the borderline because it is such a blank
0: slate, Mm.
1: you know? And it is kind of absorbing its parents. Yeah,
0: you're completely right. The baby is like the ultimate borderline. There is, I think there is that. And obviously there is this sort of sponge. backstory that emerged yeah. at the end that she was pregnant, she had a miscarriage right. and that's why they broke up yeah. and she went away.
1: Yeah, and so it must have been, of course, emotionally speaking, yeah. tying that in as well. Of course, that the, she's kind of reflecting on a life that could have been hers. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and and her own uh, tragic situation, obviously, meant that they derailed from that path they were on. Mm-hmm. They had, she had, she was going to have this identity that potentially she would have just continued on in that relationship with that baby that tied her to this man. And the fact that, you know, that didn't work out quite as she might have hoped... Um,
0: well, it's another hole.
1: It's another hole, mm. exactly. You know, it's, it's an interesting way to kind of put the baby there because it makes you think that on some level... Um, you know, she's kind of identifying with this baby. Like, this baby gets to have that entire town, the parents, all those, you know, all those um, events going on around it. It's as all babies do, they absorb like sponges.
0: Mm. Diablo Cody's very um, obsessed with babies. Yeah, Juno, right? I just thought Juno, Tully. Tully. Jennifer's body doesn't have a baby in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's so true, actually, she's that's really a good into link. Babies.
0: It's a really interesting film,
1: and it really—I feel like—it does help to add that dimension of mental illness and stuff in these discussions about cinema. Because for me, and I'm sure for you too, it really enriches the experience of Mm -hmm. these films. It
0: makes them a lot more lucid in some ways. Yeah, I mean, there are a thousand ways you could read a film. Oh, totally. Obviously, through any kind of lens, but this is the one we've chosen. Yeah, and it's made. (laughs) Films that I previously thought were not good films into good films. Same with so me. Nice.
1: I've re- I found a new appreciation yeah. for older films that I, you know, perhaps might have overlooked or...
0: Yeah, and it's really nice. Mm.
1: It's, it's very enjoyable.
0: Can we talk quickly and yeah. we stop about what borderline personality disorder would look like in a man? Ah. Because yeah? I have been really enjoying... American Crime Story, oh, The Assassination yeah. of Gianni Versace. That's such a good example. It is, isn't it? I And think I, so. I, mean, I kept looking up... Um, uh, what is the name of the of the murderer? Um, I want to say Paul Bernardo, that's the different No. Uh, now I've completely forgotten. Me too. Um, is it David? Uh, potentially. Oh, Andrew C- oh, Andrew Kinnanus. Of course. Andrew Cunanan, yeah. yeah. And I've looked up Andrew Cunanan a bit, and he to see if that was the one something that he was diagnosed with and it said no, it's psychopathic. Yeah. But the way but that he's being yeah. played in this adaptation it's it's really what I would Oh my Imagine God. a male borderline person to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. You know because he's entirely motivated by the idea of of loss.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, of not being enough, not having enough.
1: Not being he enough. Just,
0: is a, he just consumes Yeah, people and money and things yeah. all the time. And he also gives a lot. He gives a lot of himself. He gives a lot of presents. Yeah. All of that kind of thing. So it's this interchangeable things coming in and out of him. And the fact that he just lies all the
1: time mm. about... Uh, every it seems every new person he meets he invents a new backstory he's always lying about things he's done he name drops Mm it's 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 like he just is constantly in a state of inventing his identity all the time because he has nothing it's like such a deficit of identity that every new interaction is not is not an interpersonal interaction that a normal encounter that you might think for companionship or, you know, enjoyment or anything. No, it, it serves a very specific function of, in a way, breathing an identity into him. Mm. He, and he's, he, A lot of the times he's, he's mirroring. It's a really good example, particularly because Johnny Versace, of course, was a fashion designer, mm. and he was in the business of...
0: Well, do you know that's you know, my first... So the first time I became aware of fashion mm. was... I didn't I don't think I knew how he died. Mm. But I remember being little and seeing... I guess it must have been the clothes show or something. Oh, but yeah. seeing this tribute fashion show. They oh, did yeah. And all the models were crying. So it must have been something about that combination of tragedy and yeah. beating.
1: Yeah, it's It's fascinating to me that, in a sense, um, this character, this serial killer, would be interested in, in Versace. Because Versace was an architect of... Identities through clothes, you know, and, 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 you know, here's an opportunity. You walk into a boutique and you try on different things and you get to experientially be connected to that brand and to the artist behind the brand. You know, it's really fascinating. There's so many great shots of the performer who plays Kananan uh, in Versace's stores and stuff. Yes,
0: looking at all the homeware yeah. and kind of thing, like really immersing himself in this identity. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like like, touching patterns and textures. And it's really, it's a really well, I think, and those shots in particular are very, like, uh, absorbing. I really Mm. enjoyed that. That's such a good example of male work. Yeah, it just
0: really, it's because we were sort of studying this because we've been looking at this for weeks before we had time to record. So, yeah, that's what I was watching. Great example. I was like, that must be what it looks like.
1: There is another one that I would like to recommend. It is a TV series as well um it's called the replacement mm. it's uh about a woman who comes into i mean it is ma- predominantly i would say it's psychosis i would say but it has major borderline undertones so it's someone who it is about the fear of replacement as i mean the the, the show is called the replacement and it's about a woman who goes off on maternity leave and she becomes aware that they're going to bring someone in to cover her. And uh, this woman starts to imitate a lot of the things that she does in the workplace. So it becomes a little bit, like, psychotic because the, the pregnant lady thinks, oh, my God, am I imagining things? Am I paranoid? So it has a tinges of, like, Rosemary's baby. Again, there's
0: a baby. Again, with a baby. Yeah. baby.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I would say that's more psychosis and... Jennifer Versace one is more psychopathy mm. or sociopathy, yeah, of course. but I would say that both of them have major borderline vibes.
0: <laughs> um, do we have anything else to say about borderline personality disorder in the movies?
1: Ooh, I think we've covered actually more than uh, I had even thought we would because mm-hmm. we really they are such different styles of films in a way, but what connects them is that running thread of identity issues mm-hmm. and attachment issues um okay Okay. Well,
0: we will be back next week with our final in the series Psychopathy. psychopathy bye yeah. bye hi again thank you so much for listening to the projections podcast we really really hope you've enjoyed it if you have enjoyed it we would really appreciate it if you could recommend us to all of your friends or rate and review us on itunes because that way we get more listeners Yeah. And just spread the word and follow
1: us also on our socials. You can find us on Instagram at Projections Podcast, as well as uh, look up our Facebook page, Projections Podcast. Um, You can also find us on our individual Twitter accounts. Um, Mine is uh, at Psychstar, P-S-Y-C-S-T-A-R. And Sarah's is
0: Sarah K. Cleaver
1: perfect um yeah and also feel free to email us too uh we're projections at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you any film recommendations you have that could um sort of work with the categories we've been discussing uh or just any feedback really if you have complaints or just anything we'd love to hear from you, if you have
0: complaints try and put them in a
1: polite nice way please thank you so much thank you so much